am super excited this morning to talk to Gig Ledbetter. He is the head brewer, maker, ciderist, cider maker maker (laughs) at Meriwether Cider in Boise. After our discussion about yeast and touching a little bit on fermentation last week and different kinds of yeasts there are for wine fermentation, Ashley and I started talking about um, fermentation in general, which led to different alcoholic products that we enjoy, like wine, obviously, cider, beer, kombucha, which is very low alcohol, but still fermentation Mm -hmm. in there. And then we had the opportunity to talk to Gig, and I'm excited to ask him questions about especially the differences uh, that I don't even know there are between making cider and wine. Yeah, and I'm excited because, you know, I'm a newbie to all of this, but I also have a couple of fruit trees. As I discovered, I thought I had four apple trees, and now I have some pear trees too. (laughs) Um, And so I'm seriously been taught about making cider because that's uh, one of my husband's favorite things. And so I'm excited to learn a little bit about the similarities and differences in the process. And I'm going to be taking a couple of notes. I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. I'm going to jump into it. Um, Would you mind telling us a little bit about uh, Meriwether Cider? Um, you can, you know, wherever you want to go with that. And then maybe tell us a little bit about like why you're, um, the, how it's a family business and why you guys got into it. Sure. I'd love to. Uh, we started, uh, I was a professor in Colorado, Grand Junction, Colorado, and I was just about ready for retirement. And my wife said, let's go to Boise where the kids are. And and she said, and you need something to do. <laughs> and, and so I, I thought, okay, I've done a little bit of wine and I've done a, a lot of beer and I've done a bunch of cider. And so we came to Boise. We'd been visiting Boise for years because my kids went to college here and then fought fires, um, you know, um, in the Boise area. Nice. Uh, wildland fires. Yeah. And I... I'm red card certified, fun Ooh, fact. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, all the whole family was into fire. I was a smoke jumper out of Alaska and my both, and, and both daughters um, were hot shots, hella repellers. Uh, and so got into it for about, I think, five or six years. Um, and then we sucked them out of firefighting <laughs> and uh, got them to be to, to be a part of our business. And so we gave them 50% share of our business. And, uh, it's, and from there on in, you know, we started as Ledbetter Cider, my last name and had a, uh, a trademark infringement. <laughs> and we thought, and, and then Ann pops up and says, you know, my relatives are Meriwether Lewis. And I said, well, let's do Meriwether. And, yeah. and so, and it, it ended up being Meriwether Cider and, uh, and and just its history from there. We had just had our fifth uh, anniversary. So nice. Did did one or both of your girls go to the C of I? Yeah, both went to C of I. Those are Ashley and I stomping grounds. Yeah, and <laughs> they still love each other. I mean, they were roommates together in college, <laughs> two sisters, Aww. and uh, still the best of friends. And Kate's about to have her first baby. Oh my gosh! Uh, and so I'm going to be a Granddad, never thought I was. Congratulations to Kate. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, July 22nd. Oh, so, my goodness. 
yeah and uh so yeah and that's uh kind of the story and uh kids are just doing a great job i love working with them every day and uh yeah it's really it gives me a out. lot of hope because we have i'm now in business with my parents at the vineyard uh, and yeah. they help a lot at the winery too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. My only advice is when you give job descriptions to each, make sure you're not stepping on each other's toes and, and you know, <laughs> you all have sort of separate uh, jobs and we figured that out and it really has worked well. Oh, that's good. Worked good great. advice. Okay. So let's talk about your cider now. Okay. Yeah. How do you choose the, the base product or the, the you know nuts and bolts stuff like getting your I don't know if you my purchase. blend of apples or yeah that, um, and then like maybe you can walk us through a little bit of the fermentation process because I I okay. think part of it is different than wine okay <laughs> yeah I'd be glad to uh, we get our um, juice source we don't get apples and crush okay. and press them um, we actually get a fifty five hundred uh, gallon uh, tanker full of of juice that's Whoa. already been pressed. Um, we call up um, a place called Fruit Smart, and I gave them a blend that I wanted. Um, and our apples are Fuji, uh, uh, Red Delicious, uh, Honeycrisp, Granny Smith, and I believe Jonathan. And I was able to, because I wanted a certain pH level in my juice, I was able to give the different percentages of, of those apples that I wanted. So, and I like a little bit more tartness, a little bit more, you know, mm -hmm. lower pH, so I don't have to add as much metabisulfite. And, uh, and, uh, and so we get that tanker load. We, he pulls in, we dump it into our tanks and this is crushed and um, pressed and goes through a uh, pasteurization process and right into the truck and we get it within 18 hours of after it's been pressed and so it's very very fresh and so you guys aren't pressing it but basically yes. it's right it's happening as you're ordering that's right it. yeah we're getting okay. it and yeah and it's it's amazing when i went and visited the facility when i was trying to decide where i wanted to get my juice they're very sanitary they um had this warehouse i swear it is a hundred foot ceilings and it's a whole couple acres of a warehouse <laughs> full mm -hmm. of nitri nitrogen um, to, you know, as one of the methods of, uh, of keeping the, the apples from aging. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. And yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah, the guy was driving around in his forklift, you know, with a oxygen pack on his back. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was thinking, what is that for? And then I'm starting to get a little lightheaded. And the guy said, yeah, we've probably been in here long enough. Let's get out of here. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah. So the, so we uh, dump the, the tanker comes and we, we get it into our fermentation tanks. And uh, we usually, even though it's been pasteurized, um, we put, and because it's a fairly low pH, when we get it, it's about 3.4, okay. um, sometimes a little lower. Uh, we might add a little bit of metabisulfite um, mm -hmm. just in case there's some kind of microorganisms in the transfers and it's it's like I'm not quite trusting of of them yet, you know, to, <laughs> to be able to do that. And so we let it sit for about 24 hours, and then we pitch our yeast. Okay. Uh, and um, our yeast that we use um, is goes 
all the way down to 54 degrees Fahrenheit. It can it can still ferment at 54. Okay. I I usually between 60 and 62 is where I keep my fermentation process, and that sort of controls the rate of fermentation mm-hmm. um, to my liking. So, and that whole tank will and and the thing about apples, I think, versus grapes is, uh, and perhaps you have to add nutrients, but we have to add quite a bit of nutrients to apples. There's um, a lot less nutrients uh, in apples. And is that even if you didn't pasteurize, would it be the same? Yes. Okay. Yes, oh. it would be the same. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. The only thing the pasteurization is really doing is killing any kind of wild yeast okay. or any kind of microorganisms. That you makes know, sense. That might yeah. Get yeah. In there. Um, uh, so, but the sugar content stays the same mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the, the, the pumice and all the, yeah, the things that are floating around in there. Um, and it gets quite a bit cloudier later on in the year because the apples do get a little bit softer. And, mm-hmm. and so in the pressing, you get the ciders a little thicker and okay. well. <laughs> we have to change things a little later on in the year. Like right now we do a little bit more clarification, but anyways, um, so it takes about two to two and a half weeks to ferment all the way down to zero. Um, mm-hmm. We started about a hydrometer reading of 1.052. Um, in in I'm not sure what that is in bricks. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's somewhere in the 14, maybe 15 bricks. That's uh, what I would assume. Somewhere oh, okay. in there. Um, but because uh, I know cider or uh, wine folks talk in bricks and we're almost always talking in, you know, hydrometer. And that's um, specific gravity. Specific okay. gravity, yes. Uh, We've got a. I've got a conversion chart, so we'll look it up and, okay. and post it in the show notes or something. Yeah. <laughs> I do know, um, yeah, that most of our insiders, if we do back sweeten a little bit mm-hmm. post fermentation, you know, in our mixing, our bricks are anywhere from one all the way to seven. Oh wow, uh, bricks. So, okay. um, and seven being one of our sweetest ciders but um so anyways we get it's totally fermented um about a third after a third of the way of fermentation though we do add nutrients um and we'll and a lot of it is a nitrogen um there's some uh, minerals in there as well uh and uh, we also use i i should have said this beforehand but uh when we are um getting the yeast ready we do add a product called GoFirm. I don't uh-huh. know if you've yeah. ever used that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it just kind of helps can, strengthen that Can you that explain yeast. that for those of us that don't know what it is? <laughs> well, you know, my my understanding is, is that what GoFirm does is it sort of strengthens the cell walls, increases um, the ability for the yeast to uptake glucose and convert to al- to alcohol, okay. to ethanol. And um, it's something that um, a lot of people in the wine industry use just to get their yeasts from that um, freeze-dried state mm-hmm. into a solution that's a happy solution before they then put it into um, that environment that can be cold or maybe not, not exactly um, what a yeast wants to be successful so it's a kind of a kickstart to then go and do their job in the world (laughs) yeah and you and you and you do want to keep your yeast happy yes uh absolutely it is a theme we said that last week oh you did yeah Uh, yeah. i mean i've always when i first started with these big loads of cider and i wasn't using enough nutrients I was getting a little bit of hydrogen sulfide um, production. Mm-hmm. The minute I just added uh, something called it's a Fermate O, it's a, yeah. uh, anyways, uh, and Fermate K is what I was using only. Uh, 
totally took care of the problem. I haven't had any problems uh, since then. Um, but but once it is completely fermented, I usually let it go, uh, start turning the temperature down a little bit uh, and controlling that temperature. Uh, about three days after the specific gravity reaches 1.000. Okay. And it sometimes will go down to 0.998. Uh, but once that three days is up, we will rack it off or we'll siphon off the cider off the mm -hmm. lees mm -hmm. and clean the tank and then siphon it back in, adding an enzyme called spectrum. Um, oh. I think the winemakers use something called KS. Uh, it's a another enzyme that can help to clarify. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, and, uh, and so we use that and we let that go for about seven to 10 days. Uh, and it's amazing how much stuff comes out of the cider, especially <laughs> later off on in the year. Mm. And so after 10 days, we rack that off again. And, you know, we will have three, four inch thick of this pumice like, and, you know, obviously dead yeast cells and all yeah. kinds of stuff down in the bottom and we'll clean it again and then we'll pump it back in. And this time of year, we use another, uh, product. It's sort of a gelatin. It's an ice and glass oh, yeah. um, uh, type product. Uh, and we take that and add that as we are pumping it back in and let that go for another 10 days or so. And then, and you have to be a little careful though. You don't want to strip all the flavor out of the cider. So we've experimented with that and um, we think we have it down pretty well to maintaining that apple flavor and that tartness. Right. Um, that we like to have in our uh, just base cider. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing that everybody says, you know, oh, it's such so complicated, but there is kind of a recipe that everybody follows in yeah. wine making or mm -hmm. cider making or beer making. And then it's when you run into issues that it's really good to have a knowledge base of how to deal with those and the the science behind it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, those early stages when we were producing a little bit hydrogen sulfide, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know. Uh, what are we going to do? And then there's the sulfate, you know, you can, you know, use that. And um, we have done a little bit of that in the very beginning, but geez, I haven't had to do that for three and a half, four years, I don't think. Cool. Uh, it's been, it's worked out yes. really well for us. Yeah. yeah. And so then you have that base cider, it's sitting there. We can choose to filter that or not. Um, if we're going to make our, you know, semi foothills semi dry, which is a very sparkly, clear, uh, dry cider, um, we like to have that filtered so that it's a, it looks really good. And same with our semi-sweet, um, our strong arm semi-sweet it's called. And, uh, and we like that to be filtered, but we have other ciders, our grumpy scrumpy, our, you know, we I do love a these names. <laughs> yeah. Our, our, we have a sangria cider. We have uh, a couple other ciders, the ginger cider. We don't necessarily, uh, filter. Um, cause we really want to keep that fresh ginger, um, flavor. We, we peel and, you know, juice fresh ginger there. It's not a concentrate oh, wow. or a gelatin. It's uh, a lot of work of peeling. <laughs> I'll tell you that much, but, um, and a, a lot of our fruits that we add, it's all fresh fruit. We're trying very cool stick with that but what other ad, ad like fruit ads do you guys do? So well, ginger. you know, we do, we are probably 
two to one, our big bestseller is the Blackberry Boom. Mm -hmm. We call it the Blackberry Boom because you Mm. take a sip of it and it's boom flavor (laughs) in your mouth. Uh, Is it sweet uh, or dry? You know, it's sweet. If I put it on a hydrometer, it's Uh considered sweet. However, the balance of the tartness Mm -hmm. that you get from the base cider when you add it, it doesn't really taste that sweet. Um, so it's, uh, it's a, a perception that, uh, you know, fools the best of them, um, Mm -hmm. with regard to sweetness. But, um, I do prefer the drier ciders. I know people say that all the time and they love just the sweet stuff. Um, (laughs) no, I'm, I'm, I, I, I key into my English roots there. I like it dry. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, your English roots also, theirs is either super dry or super sweet, super sweet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I can see what you, you choose the dry. Um, so anyways, I, uh, yeah, we have uh, some ciders that uh, I'm not really sure. I think the bricks would be about one, about mm. uh, uh, 0.004 um, uh, hydrometer reading for our the semi-dry that we do. But we do a desert dry where we add nothing. And so it is just a bone dry cider. And, and uh, uh, we, I like we do that a, name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, desert dry. And we have, uh, we just did our fifth year anniversary and... Uh, it, we did a cider called um, Cheers to Five Years, and we bottle conditioned it down to bone dry. And okay. I probably started with a little too much, you know, sugar in the bottles because it was all bottle conditioned. And, oh, if you don't have that cold before you open it, you lose half of it. it it's <laughs> so fizzy. Um <laughs> But once you get it cold and you open it up, it really is a delicious. If you like real super dry, um, you can still get that apple flavor. Um, but we do um, other fruits, you asked, and and how do we... Um, maybe fruit, I mean, just ads, because I know you guys yeah, do a, add, a yeah. hopped, yeah. right? We, yeah, hop we do a, ho- a hop cider where we'll take um, hops and it's considered dry hopping. So okay. with the cold cider, we have mesh bags of, um, we use a cascade and a citra hops. Um, family secret is how long we leave it in there and how much per <laughs> gallon. Uh, but, uh, we end up, uh, it, we keep it in the, uh, cider for about seven days, I would say. And we add them at different times. Uh, the citra oh, okay. goes in first cascade finishes, um and uh those are ver- both great hops ps they come yeah. from well you guys grow them over there too but <laughs> yeah yeah but they originated in yeah so uh yeah i and we did very well in some of the international competitions with uh, that hop cider and and uh, we're really happy with it and i love it because it's one of the drier ciders and mm-hmm. uh i drink that the ginger and the um semi-dry um, because they are the driest and I, yeah, it's sort of my favorite. Um, but we also do, um, and Haley, your brother helped us with this. (laughs) Um, but we do tinctures and we, and Haley's brother turned me on to this way to make tinctures using pressure. And we can, we can take dried herbs and we can put them in a corny keg, um, with vodka and we can increase the pressure, and that pressure, and this is how Richard explained it to me, but that pressure just forces the vodka down into all the little cracks and crevices and 
veins and stuff of the dried, um, whatever it might be. Um, let's say we're doing mint uh, mm -hmm. or uh, sage or rosemary or, or thyme, something mm -hmm. like that. And so we pressurize it in a, and we keep the corny keg in a hot bath. Um, and then we release the pressure very quickly um, after about an hour and a half or so. And when you release that pressure so quickly, um, all the vodka come that has now absorbed all those flavors mm -hmm. uh, is forced out of those little cracks and crevices and just leaves you with this real clean, fresh um, herbal flavor, whatever herb you're using. Mm -hmm. um, whereas before I was taking sage and throwing the whole sage in vodka and leaving it in my cold room and stirring it once a day. But as you know, sage has sort of a woody stem. Yeah. And it kind of gave it a almost a uh, a woody, earthy, dirt like <laughs> you know flavor to the sage. But when we use Richard's technique, I want to I'll call it. Um, it was fresh, and you didn't get any of that you know woodiness. Um, For anybody that's listening, Richard, my brother, uh, studied uh, food science. I don't know what yes, exactly yeah. it was, and was a chef for a while. And mm. then, um, had you had shoulder surgery? I forget. Something yeah, I had happened. a shoulder shoulder yeah. surgery and uh, and neck surgery. Maybe it was the neck surgery. Uh, yeah, but anyway, that sounds right. So yeah. Richard happened to be home and kind of was in between things. I'm like, I kind of want to work. I don't know. Maybe I just want to take a break. And so I said, I think that you and Gig would get along well. And he's making cider. I don't know. And it it worked oh, out. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. He, it was so fun. I learned so much from him with regard to combinations you know of things that you can use and techniques to to actually process the food before we you know decide to either infuse it into our cider or whatnot so and he's like on a reverse path from you because now he's in colorado teaching high school <laughs> not yeah. college but still yeah, it's that's like funny. yeah that's great <laughs> maybe he'll make his way back to yeah Bruce. that's maybe great not. he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what's really nice about these tinctures is you use very little of it you know you mm -hmm. might say oh my gosh vodka um, putting that into your cider, how much does that increase your ABV percent alcohol? And mm -hmm. hardly any at all. It's so strong. Right. And we're making, you know, maybe we'll put a liter of vodka into 800 gallons. Yeah. You know, it's so it, it doesn't dilute yeah. it. You know, right. it's, so. it's like putting vanilla in your cookies. I mean, there's baking yes. in that, but you know, it <laughs> yes. technically has alcohol. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. Um, so those are some of the things that we do. And we, you know, we do bench trials and we do all kinds of different um, uh, f variations of our ingredients uh, into the cider. And I think my main thing is to try and find balance, mm -hmm. you know, tartness to sweetness. Um, you know, if it's an earthy kind of flavor, uh, is it too earthy? If it's too mm -hmm. earthy, do we have to cut back on that or uh, add something else to maybe drown that out a little bit. Do you um, only use vodka in making your tinctures? No, we do tea. We do okay. teas oh, okay. as well. Um, so we do something uh, for Tree Fort called a wake up and dance tea, uh, <laughs> where we use a black tea and okay. uh, and we mix that with our cider. And um, yeah, you get the caffeine, the alcohol, and uh, <laughs> keeps you up dancing all night. Bang, bang, Tree boom. Fort. <laughs> yeah. that was, uh, that's yeah. really getting at like one of my big questions is, I mean, I see all these crazy flavors. And so it's really good to hear about like the process because I'm always like, how do those, they get the ginger in there? How did they get that mm -hmm. apricot sage? And then apparently you have a strawberry champagne, which I'm excited to try yeah. someday. Um, 
So yeah, it sounds like in my mind, at least I'm not being a maker of various alcohol products. Um, (laughs) I'm just, yeah, imagining it like brewing tea or like putting it in. um, And then I was also curious, do you, because you're kind of experimenting with the flavors you were saying, are you doing this in a smaller batch sometimes to try to see like, does this actually taste good before going full scale? Or are you able to just kind of go full scale and then (laughs) adjust it as needed? Yeah. Um, Great question. Um, We do, when times are slow, we do a research and design types, Mm. we call it. And people come in with, you know, suggestions of different flavors to use Mm-hmm. And we have a program, <clears throat> all the cider makers, uh, we have through myself, uh, Justin Sims, and uh, now Tyler, we just um, hired another assistant cider maker because I'm going to be handing over the reins of uh, head cider makers to yeah. Justin. Ooh, full-time yeah, grandpa. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to be a full-time grandpa. <laughs> I'm going to be traveling a little bit more and, uh, nice. you know, uh, having fun. And uh, not that I'm not having fun now. Um <laughs> But uh, anyways, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, the small scale. Um, we have a program called Kick the Keg. Okay. And so all we do a five-gallon batch. You know, we'll first do eight ounces worth. We might do four variations mm-hmm. um, of just eight-ounce samples. And just it's all ratios. Um, so you just, you know, dumb it down to mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's like and, doing a bench trial in the winery. Yeah, like, yes. Does this is this going to work? Is that going to work? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and we'll get you know we have a meeting every Thursday with all of our uh, employees, and they all taste it and give us their uh, feedback on the four samples. And hey, we like number two. We like number three. Hey, if you added a little bit more, you know, uh, uh, you know, citrus to this, maybe an orange tincture. I think it'd be better. And so anyways, we get all the feedback and then eventually we put out a five gallon uh, keg and it's just drink it till it's gone. So a lot of our loyal customers will just say, Hey, what's on kick the keg this week, you know? (laughs) Um, and so, uh, and depending on how quickly it goes, uh, (laughs) you know, we might make a bigger batch, um, you know, of that. So, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of breweries do something like that where they kind of have these like smaller batches and Mm -hmm. so I like that idea and I like how you guys are I feel like sometimes they just kind of in-house a lot of that stuff so I like how you guys have like brought it out to your customers too yeah Yeah. oh man we do there's a lot of failures you know it's Mm -hmm. not all a success in our flavors that we develop we tried a peanut butter and jelly we tried a cilantro (laughs) and and (laughs) You know, and and when we're doing that, and there are customers in our, we'll bring little ounce samples to have them have a taste of it and say, what do you think of this? And it's either like, yeah, it's, you know, and you got to sort of take it with a grain of salt because they don't want to, you know, <laughs> uh, embarrass you. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to say anything bad about it. Um, Marshall always knows when I'm being kind and then he puts me on the spot. He'll yeah. be like, Aww. but really, what do you think, honey? And yeah, I'm like, don't yeah. make, I, it's very balanced yeah yeah. (laughs) no i don't know what i say when i get nervous but i'm yeah yeah, he knows (laughs) yeah we'll even have contests with our customers and have you know and put it on social media and say Mm -hmm. hey we've got six ciders to try come in and vote which one's your favorite and 
Um, we'll keep score and track of, of uh, what people like the best. How uh, long do you keep those historical records? Like if you, so that you know, oh, we tried that and it didn't quite work. So we've got to, yeah. if we try it again, we're going to tweak it. Yeah, I have got Gig's Red Book. Uh, oh. <laughs> and we do record everything. Yeah. That's and awesome. so I've got that. And, and so we can always go back to flavors that maybe came in second place. And mm-hmm. um, if we're kind of th- trying to think of something to do for a kick the keg and we don't have anything for that week, we can go back cool. to our other records. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. have like a number? Because I know some places have like bazillions, like uh, over here in Portland. Portland Cider Company is one of the big ones, which fun fact, they didn't start in Portland, but hey, um, we love them. (laughs) Uh, But they have like so many flavors and you just go into some places and it's so many different flavors. Do you kind of just say like, yeah, it's a little overwhelming. Do you kind of say, um, we're going to do six this year or do you just kind of see what happens? Well, we have our flagships. Um, Mm -hmm. So we've got uh, five ciders that we will have all year round Mm -hmm. and all the others are what we call seasonals or our research and design like the botanical garden just does a fantastic job they they give us so much of their rhubarb and so we do a raspberry Mm -hmm. or a strawberry rhubarb every year so um and but a a rather small batch maybe only 100 gallons worth 150 gallons worth um do and, they then sell that at their events or anything? Or is it well, just... We is sell this it a and they get proceeds from garden? Yes. Boise? Yes. It's yeah. where I got married. Fun yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we love the botanical garden. Um, we're members there. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, um, and we have a lot of collaborations around town of people that say, hey, you need any cucumbers? You need any um, watermelon? You know, and... Um, and, you know, we say, well, yeah, we'll process that. And yeah. sometimes it's a long day of, uh, you know, 1,200 pounds of, <laughs> of, of watermelon. You know, you're, <laughs> you're cutting it up, you're pressing it and getting the juice. And, um, but it's worth it. It's a, yeah, it's a hobby of love for me. So. <laughs> Definitely. But, yeah. But, so with all of those flavors, like even with the, and maybe you kind of already answered this and I'm just confused um, oh. <laughs> with like even the watermelon, like, is that you kind of already have the cider made and then add it as a flavoring or is it like you put it as part of the, I don't know, fermentation process with some of yeah. those juices? God, great question. <laughs> um, I, our MO is if we're going to name a cider, let's say raspberry rhubarb or okay. blackberry, it, you better be able to taste those flavors. You know, um, I'm not going to name any names, but, um, you know, some places will call something, you know, uh, uh, let's say at, at, a, at a, yeah, <laughs> like, tea, and you don't even taste it because they mm-hmm. co-fermented it with that. And oh, okay. when oh. you do co-ferment, uh, if, if I took that watermelon and added it to my apple juice and I co-fermented it, um, it would be a much uh, more subtle mm. watermelon flavor. Um, same with blackberries, same with mm-hmm. any kind of fruit, because that sugar is carrying that flavor. And if you get rid of that, um, you know, you lose a lot of the real upfront flavors. And so we just decided in our, the way that we do things, most of our stuff is um, 
back sweetened after fermentation. Um, Although we've done some, we we just did what they call a vinous cider. It was uh, first developed, I think, back east, I believe. I don't know. Uh, And it's with grape juice and apple juice fermented, co-fermented together. Uh, and, uh, it turned out really well. I, did you, I really did like any of it. the skins, um, the, the grape skins with that as well, or is it just the juice? Um, it was just the juice. A, yeah. I read about it on the website, yeah. but I couldn't. Yeah. It was okay. just, it was just the juice. It had already been pressed. Okay. Yeah. And skins taken out. So is that uh, a little but, bit to do with the fact like how you guys, well, I guess you always start, you don't do like whole apple fermentation, right? That's not a <laughs> that's, thing. No, no, yeah, you, yeah, you need to crush and press it. It's, Sorry, that was supposed yeah, to be a joke. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Well, whole cluster, you know, whole apple. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It wouldn't come out too well, but no. Um, but but you know, it, it's funny. I don't know if this is kind of segues into it, um, but we have taken apples from just plain single varietal Granny Smith apples. We bought a bin from uh, Sims Orchard. And, uh, and we were going to do a Basque cider, you know, sort of give it a little, you know, cause most of the time I use a commercial yeast. Um, however, we decided let's do a Basque cider, whatever wild mm-hmm. yeast is on these apple skins or whatever wild yeast gets on them. And I drive with an open bin from, you know, sunny slope to, mm-hmm. Boise, let's just see what happens, you know, going through Garden City, you know, (laughs) and we put it in a barrel and let it just ferment on its own. Mm -hmm. And, and if you've ever tasted Bass cider, you know, you, you kind of have to develop a taste for it. Um, Some of them, and not that I really know this smell, but I can imagine this smell, but I call it the cowboy crotch smell, you know, like a, <laughs> like a, a cowboy, you know, in leather chaps out on the range all day long in the hot sun. You can imagine what that might smell like. Um, and, and Yeasty. Yeah, yeah, Yeasty. and leathery and tobacco-y and, you know, and, and yeah, and it's, uh, and it's, it's kind of an awful taste, but... Mm the, a lot of people love it, you know, it's just, <laughs> they just love it. And so we decided let's do it. And ours came out much more subtle than that, than some of them. Um, and it actually turned out a lot better than I thought. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but it was really fun working with wild yeast, not knowing what was going to happen, you know, yeah. is it going to yeah. be so soured or, you know, spoiled or, and, uh, but it, it, we lucked out and it turned out pretty pretty good. So. Do you feel like when you do those or because you've done a wild ferment yeah. um, that you can pick out wild ferments a little bit better? Oh yeah. Oh, when I'm, when I'm actually when you're drink, tasting other when it, ciders, Yeah, I can. Yeah. I think I can. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 Because, you know, we obviously, you know, when we use our commercial yeast, we're trying to control um, the yeast in the rate with which it ferments, um, yeah. you know, with temperature, with pH yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, we can, malic acid is the main acid in apple. And so, um, you know, if need be, and very rarely, I think I've only done it once. I had to, uh, add a little bit of malic, mm. um, to bring the pH down because mm. when the truck delivered, it was, um, way too high a pH and I'm not one to add many sulfites to right. our cider. So it's worked out pretty well for us. Yeah. Um, our discussion last week was all about 
winemaking yeasts. And yeah. mm-hmm. um, so we talked a lot about even down to like the strains. We use at um, 3100, we use uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Yeah. And, um, but there's so many strains. I know. Yeah. Even within that. <laughs> yeah. Even within that, there are strains. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've developed strains now that are um, very, very resistant to, you know, um, going down that hydrogen sulfide right. pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, very did resistant you s- to switch it. switch up your yeast after you had a couple issues with that at the very beginning? We did. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. We went to, a. um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on <laughs> but, <laughs> a low but, hydrogen sulfide producing but, yeast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but a Renaissance yeast, oh, uh, yeah. is, you know, there's a couple good ones for cider that mm-hmm. we've tried, you know, uh, a Viva, uh, an Allegro, Fresco, there's yeah. a couple of really good ones. Yeah. Um, and we've tried all of those in, oh shoot, we have carboys of yeast <laughs> going, you know, oh, cool. with, with stuff to just um, sort so of So you get your culture built up and then you kind of yeah. keep it happy for a while. Yeah, and or, or just to see what that yeast does to our okay. apple juice, Got you it. know, okay. and, and is it more apple Is it more citrusy and yeah. that kind of thing. And so, yeah. Very cool. Lots of bench trials. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. So just for my reference, these, so you use different yeast than winemakers use? Um, and kind of to follow up with that too, like I've heard people for the home brewer side of things, and I'm sure it's also in commercial, oftentimes recommend using champagne yeast. Yeah. Yep. cider making yeah and that's right making. yeah that's right we we the i don't know uh was it ec 118 or something like yeah. that there there's a bunch of champagne yeast and even white wine yeast mm-hmm. um that DB10 work really we well use. for cider yeah. Okay. yeah yeah so um yeah we, we are not opposed to and we've tried um you know uh, a couple of different wine yeasts and okay. um i just like to stick with you know, because we make such large quantities of our base cider for mixing for our flagship type ciders, mm-hmm. all of our experimental ciders, I am game to put anything in, you know, in there and, and give it a try. Yeah. But um, we have to keep that somewhat consistent. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I am not opposed to uh, trying all kinds of different uh, yeasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, the Renaissance huge. yeast is like, I think that they do have two different sides or maybe multiple sides to their brand because yeah. Renaissance is definitely available for winemaking. But okay. I think that there are some, diff- like, I think they do cider and wine. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Nice. And some, yeah, and some they do say, they, they'll they they'll say uh, preferably for cider or something right. like that. Okay. Yeah. And the malic yeah. acid, there is a lot of malic acid in grapes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. there's a similarity okay. there. But then depending on how, like, there, there's just other things at play too. Like with red wine, you're getting a lot of different things than you would in a cider because you're getting yeah. all those color compounds that interact differently with the yeast or other things in the wine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's probably a difference there, I would assume, especially if you're making like a plum cider where yeah. you had your yeah. fermenting plums yeah. or something, you might want to use more of a wine yeast yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah, that might be. Um, a lot of our back sweetening too is like an organic concentrate that we might mm-hmm. get. Um and a lot of people think, oh, concentrate. Oh, ooh, you know, don't use concentrate. <laughs> well, they're talking about getting a concentrate, adding six parts water to that concentrate, mm-hmm. and then fermenting it. 
Um, we take that and use very little. You don't need to use much um, to add the flavor of a, like, let's say a plum concentrate. Um, um, but no, uh, unlike wine where you'll take those grapes and you'll let, you know, in open bins um, have the skins just floating and punching them down <laughs> daily. Mm -hmm. um, we don't take the pumice of our apples, you know, after we press them right. or anything and, and add those to uh, ferment. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, but I just love, I also love the whole wine process <laughs> as well. And, and, mm -hmm. and we're alike in that we don't heat, we don't brew anything. That's why yeah. we're not called wine brewers or cider brewers, you know, because we don't, you know, uh, make a wart and boil and mm -hmm. um, it's, and so you have to be very, very careful with microorganisms, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Very sanitary. Right. And yeah. oftentimes like the liquor commissions group them together too. Like I was mm -hmm. noticing that with like Idaho, you are con cider is considered a wine because of the alcohol content yeah. and probably the process. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. And you know, we're gluten free. And so actually by law, any brewery that is going to make cider, mm -hmm. it has to be totally separate from the brewing area oh. because of the gluten. Um, you know, some people don't listen to that and I don't think they really enforce it um, that much. But, but, in theory. It, it, but in theory, you know, you should, you, you're not allowed to make cider in a brewery unless it is completely separated by a wall. And yeah. Oh, okay. So, Mm -hmm. When is the gluten introduced in a non-gluten-free cider? I'm, I'm no clue. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Am I there, so confused not, right now? <laughs> the only way that you can get gluten into cider, I think, is to add it. Um, yeah. Through do a, people do that? I don't, I not don't that think I know. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. But no. Yeah. Sorry, Gig's, Gaia. You might want to scratch that. <laughs> yeah. Gig's point was that if you're a brewery and yeah. you're also making cider. Then Technically, that's when it can be for yeah. USDA. Yeah, yeah, probably for or yeah, USDA. I would yeah, assume you, as he yeah. says. Yeah, and FDA and and yeah. and the the um you know just the dust the the yeah. powder from grinding and yeah. and mm -hmm. you know the grains and things like that um you know could that makes in, sense yeah and I don't know in barrel age stuff because we have a barrel yeah. age program as well. Um, I'm not sure you have to be careful when you make a barrel age thing, depending on what was in there. If, it, yeah. if there was a beer in that barrel, you need to let your customers know, um, right. you know, whether or yeah. not, uh, um, you know, it was brewed in a, a, we do most of ours in bourbon barrels, brandy mm -hmm. barrels and brandy barrels. Um, uh, and, but if it was done, if you're getting a secondhand, uh, beer yeah you have to be careful yeah because there might be little bits of uh, gluten in there right usually in that like all the settling and the racking yeah. process you do um if you send off your stuff to be tested i know this for at least in the wine i'm assuming mm -hmm. it's yeah because cider so similar chemically it beats the same you would have you would be below that threshold to call your stuff gluten-free even mm -hmm. if you were using a secondhand yeah. beer barrel but there's also how many how many people are sending their stuff off to be tested or they're just saying yeah we don't use yeah. gluten in our process yeah. so it's gluten free right um, I, guess I think I, I always saw it like when wine when water bottles said gluten free where it was like duh shouldn't it be gluten free but, but I think when you put that on your label you've paid for the 
testing yeah. to be done. The testing. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, people just assume. Even people that yeah. I, you know, people that I know that have celiacs, assume, like they're like, these things are safe even if it doesn't stay gluten free because yeah. it's not part of yeah, yeah. wine being one, cider typically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of what else, you know, like fresh fruit and veggies. <laughs> There's yeah. certain yeah, things yeah. that are going to be safe. Yeah. But I mean, that's a good, like, to Gig's point, it's a good thing that if you do have celiacs to, like, know, like, for some ciders, there could potentially be that little tiny cross-contamination. And for some people, it doesn't, it's, you know, it doesn't impact them. But, like, I have a friend that he can tell the minutest things, and it's really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. We always say, if you want to know that your wine is you know, not being aged in barrels that are being held together by a, a flour paste or yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, knowing what exactly is in them, especially for like now that my brother is vegetarian, bordering on vegan, like um, you should go to your small producers because they'll be able yeah. to tell you, oh, yeah, actually, we do use a product that um, technically has an animal product in it or um, yeah. no, everything is free and clear here. Like you, you're good to go, even if you're vegan. So even if it doesn't have that stamp of approval, it doesn't mean that it's it's not that thing. Yeah. yeah. That is definitely not where I thought that conversation was going to go, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Could I step back a little bit? And um, you, Kaya, you can just keep this in and have it go, however. But um, I was just curious with like the yeast part and like the flavors, like how much does the yeast in that fermentation process impact the flavor versus like, I mean, obviously when you're adding in the juices of things afterwards, for some reason, I'm thinking of pineapples right now, um, (laughs) that like that's going to be a flavor component, but how much of that like process impacts the flavor? The fermentation process? like Yeah, the fermentation, the yeast the the grit the apples you choose um a lot I, yeah, <laughs> it does. I mean I, I yeah I I mean if you just go to a catalog and you start reading the descriptions of the yeast uh-huh I mean it, it there's a language okay. you know this is this is a grapefruit citrus flavor, you know, results yeah. in a grapefruit citrus flavor. Okay. Uh, this gives you an earthy, I mean, you know, it's just like on and on. Um, uh, now I'm not, I don't agree with them all the time <laughs> when I actually try that yeast and then taste it, but there is a significant difference in when we are um, fermenting apple juice with different kinds of yeast. Some okay. are relatively the same. Some are just so so different. Right. Yeah. But and I'm cool. sure in wine, it, it mm-hmm. must be the same thing. You must yeah. Get... We at 3100, we haven't experimented too much with it because we really liked from the beginning the way that our DV10 uh-huh. operated mm-hmm. um, and um, uh-huh. how how much we could just let it do its thing and not have to worry about it. Um, so we haven't experimented, yeah. but yeah. we're looking forward to at some point experimenting with different yeasts and maybe doing some wild ferments and things. So. That is so funny. You just said DV10. I just looked at that the other day saying, hmm, I'd like, might want to try that yeast. You I've know, got, yeah, yeah. <laughs> depending so. on, on uh, how how particular you are, I can give you some. Oh my gosh, it'd be grams. You know, <laughs> yeah, I've got a whole, I've me, got a bag. But, anyway, yeah. uh, Last year, I think I did my math wrong and I bought the five kilo bag and then oh, I was geez. like, wait, I think I only need like half of this, yeah. but uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh well, yeah. it's here. Yeah. 
in my world, I just think of that as like getting a load of chips or mulch and then being like, oh, that's a lot more than I wanted. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and back, I think you also mentioned that does the kind of fruit. Yeah. You know, I mean, because there's thousands of different kinds of apples. And we use um, culinary apples. So apples that you go to the grocery store and you bite into and they're delicious and they're sweet and they're crispy and just, you know, have a little tartness to Mm -hmm. them. You can also get cider apples. Um, And the people that, um, and this is what I would love to do, but we just don't have them around here and they're very, very hard to to get. Um, Mm -hmm. But they have bitter sharps, bitter sweets, you know, uh, apples that are so tannic that you bite into them and your mouth is just dried out. Um, <laughs> they have bitter sharps where you take, they're so, uh, bitter and acid that it's like, ah, oh, they're terrible. But when you crush and press them and you, you know, um, what most people do is they'll take their bitter sharps and their bitter mm-hmm. sweets and their sweet apples, and they'll ferment them in separate fermenters. And then they do what winemakers do and they blend, you know, they, they, they might blend. And so they'll find that perfect. Let's see, this should be two parts of a bitter sweet and one part of a bitter sharp or, you know, whatever it might be. And, um, and then let's add, uh, it's a little too tart. Let's put a little bit of that sweet juice in there. And so they blend and I'm sure that you sit around a table and have so much fun (laughs) with your blending part of it. I'm sure. We do. <laughs> Anyways, right. Sometimes you have to make it two days because, you know, it's yeah. just a little too much alcohol. Oh, for, yeah. yeah. And we, really we like swallow that. it. <laughs> yeah. I was I was thinking yeah. as you were talking that years ago, because um, of like my biology background and just like I think apples are so fascinating because each seed is genetically different. And so you produce a totally different apple. And I heard about this place in Vermont, which I have forgotten. And I mean, you are like, cider place vermont like, i have no success on google's but um shaxbury ha- maybe maybe yeah, it's this yeah. place that they have all these different like they're trying to make this catalog of all these oh, different yeah. types of trees mm-hmm. um to bring back some of these like different kinds because again they're all genetically different and then they make cider out of it and it's just like I yeah. want to go to Vermont and try all these <laughs> ciders and just look at, I mean, cause the biology side of me just is like, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, it's crazy. I grew up in Vermont and <gasps> yeah. And you will walk in the woods way back and you're in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden there's a stone wall and there's these old trees, apple oh. trees. And, you know, cause they used to be farms and they mm-hmm. just, you know, way back in the day. And, um, and there are, there's a lot of people now that are searching for these old orchards yeah. and um, genetically see what, what's, what variety of apple is this? And could I make a good cider out of this? Mm-hmm. And um, Shaxbury yeah. uh, and a lot of the cideries that, um, do just that. That's all yeah. they do. They um, put word out and people say, yeah, I've got a couple of real old trees in my yard. You're welcome to come and pick them. And, and so they're, you know, saving <laughs> these so old cool. apples and, and, uh, and making, you know, most of the time, good cider out of them. Yeah. Yeah. They just yeah. found in Washington, um, the Washington department of ag or whatever, they were doing this program and looking at people's, um, 
you know, old heritage trees and they just yeah. found a couple of old varietals that they thought were gone. And yeah, like this was like just a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty neat. It's uh, I think maybe after I truly retire, that would be a fun thing. Wandering through the woods, looking for, you know, different old kinds of apple trees. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. I mean, I've wild harvested apples and I just like make applesauce out of them or whatever yeah. in the future would be cider because they're so wormy and stuff. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And crab <laughs> apples are always a really that tartness in crab apple adds a huge dimension to cider. Um, mm. I mean, back we just did a, a cider uh, for Black History Museum. Um, Jupiter's. Yeah, cider. Jupiter. Yeah. Jupiter Evans um, cider, and it was Thomas Jefferson's favorite apple, the Pippin. And mm. uh, we just made that. And boy, you add a touch of uh, a Dolgo crab apple to that. And oh, it is so good. <laughs> it's just so nice. delicious. But yeah. I love all the parallels between cider making and wine making. Um, yeah. I know you guys are like, you know, this is your profession, but, and I've dabbled in winemaking. Um, so for me, it's really cool to see all the similarities as you you're going to be dabbling talking. in what wine, or you're going to be dabbling in cider making too. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what varietals of apples I have. One is red and one is yellow. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one is not apple. It's pear. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you feel like yeah. this is kind of maybe a, a segue out but do you feel like there's a clear difference to you in winemaking cider making and like or maybe not making wines ciders and fruit wines because we've we've been talking a lot about fruit wines Ashley just had an experience with some fruit wines and yeah. I'm like mm -hmm. so where do you draw the line of difference because there are people that make yeah fruit ciders that they call cider yeah yeah, uh, you know, in order for it to be called a cider, it's got to be 51% apples. Oh, uh, okay. pretty much. Yeah. And so if you get somebody who, let's say, gets a bunch of plums mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, they de-seed them and they press them and they get the plum juice, um, you can add 49% apple juice to that and it can be a plum wine, you know, a fruit wine, plum wine, yeah. um, probably has quite a bit more pectin in it. And so a mm -hmm. lot more floaties that... You may or may not want to clarify, um, yeah. you know, using an enzyme or or using, a, you know, a gelatin, um, whether it's Isinglass or whatever you use. Um, mm -hmm. We use a product called Crystalline Plus, which is part Isinglass. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the biggest difference um, in winemaking is, number one, I just envy you guys because you have so many nutrients in the grape juice <laughs> and you don't have to, you know, make sure that you're keeping that yeast, you know, as happy as you possibly can. Um, and, uh, and you, you have an, an additional step of punching those wineskins down. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like when I dry hop my hops, you know, you're not dry hopping, but you're using those grape skins to, extract that color and those mm -hmm. just oh they just love yeah. yeah the tannins and so on um we don't have to do that um and uh and i would say yeah the, the and then the fruit rinds let's see it's just a it, again it's high high pectin yeah. um that if you don't want to have a lot of people just don't like that 
you know, stuff at the bottom of their bottle, you know, that <laughs> the you know, tasty they want, bits. Yeah, that, I know. That's what I say. Um, but uh, they just don't want it in there. And yeah. so you may have to filter, you know, some yeah. people like it filtered and the place so on. that you visited this last weekend, were there a lot of tasty bits at the bottom of those bottles? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah, I visited this last week, this place that she actually goes and like wild collects a lot of different fruits and products oh, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. for then making wine. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I should look, but I was curious, are the tasty buds good and delicious? Like I had a wine popsicle at Haley's oh. when we were disgorging. <laughs> <laughs> A, or no, is it tart. not good? <laughs> well, uh, you mean in the disgorging process, it, it's frozen, right? Right. And yeah. so you're ta- that's what you're talking about? Just yeah. eating yeah. those? Yeah. <laughs> is that is that frozen and that's mostly water and not? Um, no. So ours is, um, we were doing rosé, I think. And so it would have been uh, a lot of yeast holes, but oh, then okay. a little bit of wine. Okay. Um, yeah. In there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the minute you brought that up, we, we make a, a <laughs> alcoholic slushy out of our cider. Okay. And, yeah. And so you get the, um, you know, God does two things, man, it cools you down on a hot day and gives you a, <laughs> puts a smile on your face, I guess, with the and alcohol looks and beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, is but, it, Oh no, it's not a slushy made with the leaves. Okay, got it. No, 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 no. no. It's, you put bits. the cider in. And it, and, it's and, a new idea. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Tasty bit slushies. Oh boy. Are yeah, we... I was I was thinking this was an in-house thing that you guys yeah. just like had yeah. fun doing in the yeah, back. No, no, no. no. This, would... We sell this to our customers. Man. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. I so tasty bits at the bottom of uh, tanks and stuff might be tasty bits in small doses, yeah. but I would but say there's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. I and know. in theory it's healthy stuff, yeah. but you have to take it in small doses. I yeah. know someone that got pretty sick cause they were like, I'm going to put this in my smoothie. It's got yeah. all this healthy, like yeast yeah. holes yeah, yeah, and yeah. other microorganisms and probiotics. This is going to be great. And they got pretty sick. So yeah. you yeah. just want to be Careful in your yeah. dosing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and it's pretty like sludgy and yeah, oh, yeah. it's just not. Pretty. Yeah, no, uh-huh. yeah, usually not very good. But yeah. but you know what we did do though is Gaston Bakery here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, he did after we did our first racking. Um, he took all our sludge and oh. he propagated it and and started making this yeast out of it. And actually made some bread using the stuff on oh, the bottom cool. of our. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like a sourdough, but a, si- yeah, a cider yeah, dough. Yeah, a cider <laughs> dough, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I love so hearing kind of those types of things of like yeah. the whole cycle of things. Like I know yeah. some places that are like breweries will like, you know, they've then feed their extra grains back to like the, um, cow producer that yeah. then they get their meat from and like it's just this like whole beautiful yeah. cycle and i yeah. enjoy that <laughs> i yeah. i do too i love that i think that's great yeah yeah gig and merryweather yeah. in general you're great at at working with the community and figuring yeah. out ways mm-hmm. to yeah. keep that cycle going yeah. i really yeah. appreciate that yeah. i'm hoping to get better at it yeah well we have really tried hard and we just love the boise community they have been so supportive in just about everything that we've done and we've had great collaborations and you know it I think what I really loved about this whole thing when I got into it 
I, I like people. And so I thought, well, this is, this would be good for me. I, you know, after <laughs> retirement. Yeah. I worked a lot harder after <laughs> retirement doing this cider business, but, um, but no, they've been super supportive. Um, we've, um, oh, geez, done collaborations and done things with, um, nonprofits. And mm -hmm. it's just been a, ah, it's just really is a great, great relationship. No, no, you know, cutthroat competition. It doesn't seem like everybody's helping everybody else out. Yeah. So I, I love feel it. like the wine industry is that way too. In a lot of, yeah. you know, and like the Oregon and Idaho wine industry, it's, it's why I think a Pretty lot supportive. of consumers are drawn to it as well. It's like, they yeah. like the cider, they like the wine, but then they also like see how much the producers are enjoying it and loving it and like how passionate they are. And yeah. so it's really cool to see that brought yeah. out. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to, maybe you can give a shout out on where people can find you, maybe some okay. online and in um, person. All right. Well, um, my daughter, Molly, is sort of our social social media person. And that would just be merryweather.com. And you can get to the all of the things you need to to find out about us. Um, but we've got a cider house um, on Bannock and Ninth, And it's right on the corner there. Yeah. And we've got and we have only 10 of our ciders. We always only have 10 of our ciders on. But there we have 10 ciders from other cider makers all around mm -hmm. the country and all around the world, actually. Cool. Um, and then our place in Garden City is on the 52nd block of Chindon Boulevard. And that's where our production is. That's where our, you know, we've got about 6,000 uh, gallons worth of, well, actually more now. We just got another <laughs> tank. But um, we uh, have a tap room there as well. Mm -hmm. So, but only our ciders there. So there's only 10 ciders there. Um, and yeah, and our barrel age program's going very, very strong. And uh, yeah, we'd love to see everybody. And we're very friendly and pretty easygoing. <laughs> and and uh, very much yeah, so. and you're, I mean, if you pop, po poked your head into the production room and saw us back there and said, hey, you know, could I have a tour? Oh my gosh, we just love it. We'd love <laughs> to give you a tour. And if you're not local um, so, to the Boise area, definitely check out the website because I know that you guys are able to ship some places. Yep, so definitely yep. check out the shipping options. Yep, do yeah. Do you as distribute well. as well or is it just direct sale? We, uh, Idaho Wine Merchants distributes for us to some of the big stores that okay. require okay. a distributor. But okay. otherwise we self-distribute everything else. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So I love yeah. that. Very small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty small. Yeah. Thank you nice. so much, Gary. Yeah, ah, you're welcome. Yeah, it's a pleasure being here and yeah. uh, enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll look forward to talking more about cool. cider with you and All right. other things. All right. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cheers. Next week, we will be talking about fruit wines. If you have questions about fruit wines, maybe your favorite fruit wines you've tasted or funny stories about fruit wines, please email us. You can reach us at wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Vogel. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao.